one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're talking about running's biggest cheats in the company of a runner and historian, Sam Edwards. Juicy subject, mate. Incredibly juicy. Incredibly. It's a great list. Um, We obviously caveat this whole episode by saying we've gone for confirmed cases of cheating. Yeah. Confirmed cheats in the running world because there is an abundance of speculation constantly about most professional athletes, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> in some varying For degree. For legal reasons. All those For legal reasons only. Yeah. And obviously, that sometimes, of course, there's no smoke without fire. Uh, we, we absolutely agree, but we can't just start taking on the world of proposed cheats. So we've gone for people who have been caught cheating. And most importantly, Rick, we want to kind of give a bit of, a bit of background and a bit of levity perhaps to these the reason why these people cheated and the and the significance yeah yeah definitely some context and some some discussion around these people and the times they cheated and when they cheated and why that was important and also why these events were important to run in as a whole yeah absolutely yeah it's not it's not just a kind of a roast we're not here of cheaters it's kind of looking a little bit at some of the reasons behind it. And also, interestingly, is cheating always wrong? Um, Because it's certainly one name on this list where you'd say the cheater was probably in the right. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, we wanted to... uh, We don't just want to... It's not a witch hunt. We're not here for that. (laughs) No, we're not here here for that. that. But it's good. Yeah, I'm sure you can have your own names uh, that you'd like to add to the list. So you can let us know at podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. Shall we get on our guest of the week? Yes, let's do it. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone Could be an athlete Could be a physio Or a complete unknown Our guest this week is a historian, writer and runner. He combines these loves at his website runninghistorian.com and, and is with us today to look back at running's biggest cheats. So Sam Edwards, welcome to the Runners World Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to talking about this. Yeah, juicy subject this one. Me and Ben have been looking forward to it. We're like, oh, running's biggest cheats. That would be a good one. Name and shame. (laughs) And I think we we were saying this. We've we've got a list of what we're talking about as confirmed cheats. These are people who have actually been um, found of wrongdoing rather than the kind of um, supposed or alleged cheats. A list that we can't go into for legal reasons. But so this is. Well, it's also so extensive. 
Yeah. Such an extensive list. The allegation list is huge, so we yeah. can't. We can't. We'd, the podcast would be the biggest one we've ever done. So we'll just Whole stick series. to those who have been confirmed. <laughs> so yeah. So so I asked you to put together a kind of short list of of names, Sam. So do you want to do you want to hit us with the first the first person on that list? Yeah, well, I reckon there are a few different ways we might kind of go through an order here, but I guess uh, as good a place as any to start is to is to go back in time and go back to the to the, to the first one in terms of chronology, in terms of time, um, and that takes okay. us back to um, 1904 and um, a guy called Fred Laws, who um, is a marathon runner at that point in time when uh, marathons are becoming a bit of a craze. It's kind of the first era mm. of uh, so-called marathon mania, um, and he uh, cheats um, on a marathon. Um, so yeah, this is our first guy, Fred Laws. Fred and how Laws. how does he go about how does he go about cheating this guy? Because obviously there's loads of different ways of cheating at a marathon, isn't there? Probably we'll, we'll cover some of those off. But what was his particular sin? Well, it's it's a really interesting one because it's really kind of indicative of the moment. You think where we are, 1904, and this is the age and beginning of of the automobile, of the car. And so he runs a bit of the race and then looks like um, gets in a car because he gets exhausted. Gets exhausted about at about mile nine. Gets into a car with um, with his manager, who then drives him um, to um, to close to the end, and then he decides actually he does want to um, to finish um, and gets out and uh, and then finishes the run and kind of takes the plaudits, takes the praise as he as he crosses the winners line, but very quickly um, questions start to be asked about um, did he actually you know cross the line? But this this was at the Olympics. Yeah, this is 1904. This is the Olympics in um, I think it was St. Louis in um, in the United States. So this is a high profile thing. Um, and yeah, because yeah. in the early days of the Olympics as well, if you think the Olympics uh, in the modern era come back in, uh, was it the 1890s, 1897, I think it's the first mm. modern Olympics. Um, and so we're right there at the kind of the birth of the Olympics and here's Fred Laws um, running the marathon, crossing the line, but not doing the whole race. And it's a fascinating one <laughs> as well, because yeah, the people that, the other people that are in the race, the other contenders, and go, in fact, the guy that then gets the, the result, gets the first, um, a guy called Thomas Hicks, there are a whole bunch of questions around him in this race as well. With it's <laughs> that he only probably gets across the line because um, he gets some help around the course. That his coach doses him up with strychnine because you know this is what um, athletes, both yeah. Yeah, runners and cyclists, are using at this point in time. So it's, it's a fascinating case. It's been cheating's been around for ages, isn't it? Because I, I, I don't think we've got kind of pedestrians on on this list, but. The stories of cheating in kind of Victoria era long distance walking is it's, it's amazing. It would put to shame a lot of other people, um, sort of modern day cheats. Some of the stuff that going on, like it was kind of, yeah, something like people setting people's hair on fire and like, um, <laughs> it's, 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 it, there is a film waiting to be made about this. It would be it would be good. No, I was just going to say you're absolutely right. You know that kind of era of pedestrianism and 19th century, you know, kind of sporting contests. There's a brutality to them at this point in time yeah. um, and, and, and ditto with, the, with you know, things like the Tour de France as well yeah hmm. I think this is it like also the modern I guess within the modern era the perception of what is cheating has become so hard and fast whereas in these early events as you mentioned the Tour de France and things like that it was the endeavour to finish was kind of like what all, all things were allowed it was kind of like people were pulling over and drinking brandy in shops and having amphetamine as much as they wanted and you know there's this huge like you know part and parcel you know it's absolutely mm. fine because you know they're all doing something very extreme <laughs> yeah 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 you're absolutely right especially when you look at sort of end of the 19th early 20th century what is cheating and to what extent inverted commas substances can be used to support performance that's still being figured out it's mm. still being discussed and debated yeah. um yeah. yeah right here's with the next one on the list then sam who's who's next 
Well, if we go chronologically then, so we started there in 1904 with, um, with Fred Laws. Um, let's go into, um, into the kind of the post-World War II era. And the next person I want to talk about, this is a slightly trickier um, individual because mm. on one level, you and I, I think, would say this ain't no cheat. This is, this is a, a legitimate um, athlete um, doing what is, is right and proper. But in the context of when this um, person is running and racing, there are a whole bunch of question marks around, uh, around the, the races he's involved in. And some people at the time, you know, he's, a, he's an illegal athlete, he shouldn't be doing these things. So the person I'm thinking mm. of is, um, is a guy called John Tarrant, who is a um, fascinating individual. And if you're interested, then I, you know, I thoroughly recommend the awesome book by, um, by Bill Jones titled The Ghost Runner. This is uh, the name by which yeah. he's known, The Ghost Runner. Um, and so, uh, so John Tarrant is a working class boy from London originally, but then moves north and does his racing um, in, on part for, um, in part for the Salford Harriers. Um, but he becomes a kind of a core celeb in the in the post World War Two era, in the 1950s into the 1960s, because he races um, when he shouldn't be. He races when he's not allowed to, and he's not allowed to race because, as a young man, he technically at one point in time takes I don't know 16, 17 pounds um, for boxing as a as a as a pro boxer, and because he's boxed That's for money. The athletic authorities then say, well, you can't race as an amateur. And so it draws out all of this kind of big sort of post-war discussion about professionalism and amateurism. And he's this kind of figure that's caught up in it as he's trying to race. He's a marathoner, um, but, um, but UK authorities consistently tell him he can't, he shouldn't be allowed to. His story is a fascinating one because yeah. you do have, you have someone, as you say, like in a sort of incredibly stringent rules mm. at the t of the time. He professionally boxed, boxed professionally, and what you say, won like about a quid or something. <laughs> and, then, and then he wasn't allowed to run uh, professionally or amateur. He wasn't considered allowed to run. So, but he was incredibly good. Like he was ghost running, but winning. Like he yeah. was. That was the thing, right? And that's what was kind of almost the the thorn in that kind of aggravated the whole situation was that he wasn't just ghost running and sort of maybe having a good time. He was forty seconds smashing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was awesome, and these these cracking photos from the fifties and sixties of of kind of some of these race meets, and he's just kind of emerging out of the crowd with his numberless vest and just and just storming off. And yeah, he's good. He's really mm. good, and he's really good at the tough stuff. You know, the big distances. He runs. You know, he, do, he does the timed hundred mile. He does the the London Brighton thing. He does the comrades um, over in South Africa as well. Mm. This is a this is a really tough runner in all senses of the phrase. I think. I think it's a really great inclusion, Sam, because it, it brings into question whether cheating is always the action of the kind of moral scoundrel or whether there is actually a legitimate case for cheating sometimes. Because I think the inclination is to think cheats are always wrong. But actually, you could say the system was wrong in this case. And John, John Town was actually exercising his right to run and as a great runner, and he should never have been, you know, looked at as a cheat. So I think it's a really interesting inclusion because actually cheating is a little bit, it's not as black and white perhaps as some people would like to think. Yeah, and I think what comes through for me when you look at all of all the individuals that we're talking about is there is lots of grey here. You know, we think it's, a, it's black and white, it's, it's, it's right and wrong, but in actual fact there's lots of grey and all of these individuals that get, that get sort of caught um, for you know, cheating, um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff happening at that same point in time. They're not isolated cases. It's not all just this is a bad and, and an evil person. It's a much kind of murkier situation often when you get these kind of celebrated stories of cheating mm. and, of, and of cheaters. Yeah. I also think that this John's story is interesting because it's, it's, it's a phenomenon within running which is kind of still very popular now. Like people ghost run events regularly 
And I think perhaps more in a, uh, I don't know, in a, in a modern era, that's like frowned upon so dramatically because of people, you know, the cost of entering a race or, you know, the resources that go into races and people having to pay all their money and there's only a certain amount of like spots and all this sort of stuff. So there's, you know, rightly so people are, their noses are slightly put out of place by people doing it. But at the same time, it's been part of like the the, the, the sport. Has, there's a history of that sort of style of running. There is that kind of subterranean, a little bit sort of illicit um, you know, doing it when you're not quite supposed to, but doing it nonetheless. Yeah, there's a there's a kind of rich history of that. And and Tarrant there in the 1950s, 60s, um, doing his thing in the big races, um, big distance stuff in um, in the UK and beyond. Just kind of yeah, it, it draws that out. It's, it's still a very contemporary issue in that sense. It's a good point actually, because you think um, obviously Boston is famous for Catherine Switzer officially running the marathon. Um, but the year before, Bobby Gibb was a kind of ghost runner there and and trying to sort of further the the female cause for for distance running again you could say that's cheating in some aspects but what was wrong was the patriarchy of the time not bobby gibb wanting to run a marathon so yeah the gray area stuff is interesting and there's much more of it in this than i uh, i'd thought actually what's number what's number three then where, where do we go next ne- number three well let's get a little bit a um, little bit closer to the modern let's get into um in the 70s and 80s and let's go rosie ruiz 1980 with um with the boston marathon the boston marathon of course the the original big city marathon it has its first running in the in the early 20th century and by by 1980 this is this is a big thing this is a big deal um and the rosie mm-hmm. ruiz case is um is another fascinating one I th- and what interests me about lots of these um, lots of these examples is that the people we're talking about are often on some level kind of outsiders they're 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 people that have sometimes been dealt a bad hand in life and and rosie ruiz is uh, herself you know a fascinating individual cuban-american immigrant um, and there in 1980, she, um, she takes, the, takes the winning line um, at the marathon, but very quickly, once again, not unlike Fred Laws in, um, in 1904, questions are asked and people are saying, you know, did she indeed run the whole race? And it quickly mm. emerges that, uh, that she did not. And she kind of jumped in really late on, right? It was kind of the last mile or something. And, and one of the sp- reasons for suspicion was, she wasn't really in a. She wasn't really in a sweat. She didn't look like she'd run a very long distance. So there was some quite obvious physical signs there that cheating might have happened. It's exactly that. It's exactly that. Yes, she's. Uh, she seems to have um, entered the race probably in the last mile, last half mile or so, just kind of emerging out of um, the crowd of, uh, of spectators. And that's why people ask those questions quite quickly about you know does this person look like they've just run um, you know twenty six point three miles? Maybe not in this um, in this particular instance. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an intriguing case. This one. Yeah, that is very interesting. You kind of think that people, if they were going to cheat, I mean, I'm not to say that she, but it displays elements of either it was last minute decision or just poor planning. But I don't, I don't really understand. Like, you know, if if you're going to cheat, I feel like all these cases where people have found out, like, there was the case of the two twins cheating. I can't remember what the race or anything. Um, I'll have to do a. I'll put some notes in the show or whatever it is. But no, anyway, I think, I think we, may, we may be we may be coming to it at some point. Oh, great. Okay. Okay. Great. 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 Well, then I'll skip over that bit. But you kind of they, that was my example of perhaps foresight and good cheating, like as in smart <laughs> cheating. But everyone else, all these a lot of other cheats just seem it's either spontaneous or ill planned or something. But there's there's not a lot of smarts being played when there's all these all these cheats. <laughs> Yeah, and the Rosie Ruiz case, it does kind of get you thinking, you know, what, what's at work here? What is, what is she trying to do and trying to achieve? I mean, there were some question marks over, 
over her um, involvement in the New York Marathon um, um, a year earlier, which then gets her into the Boston. So on one level, you could say there's a pattern here. There's a pattern of behaviour of, 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 of kind of you're doing something like this. But then mm. you also think, you, why, why would you appear you're half mile from the end to take the winning line when questions are going to be asked very, very quickly? And so one way to maybe think about this is that this is a bit of poor planning and she's intending to, to, to finish or look like she's finished but not necessarily intending to win. And the poor planning is right. that, you know, oh damn, I've, um, I've done this and, <laughs> I've won. <laughs> and, I've I've won. and now the cameras are on me <laughs> and what do I do now? <laughs> right, I see, it's I see. A, it's an interesting one because I, and this isn't based on any fact, and I may be wrong here, but there's some part of me imagines that there are more male sporting cheats than there are female cheats. Or there might be something in the male psyche that maybe slightly encourages this sort of like, maybe it's ego gone mad or something. Um, mm. I think with drug taking, it's a little different. We're talking talk very much in sort of professional sport and, and the same pressures for doing that might be existing across genders. But it, I'm not sure it is true that, that this kind of cheating is is more male. But I wouldn't be surprised if it is. Yeah, I, I, I think you, I, I, it's an interesting question. You know, to what extent is, is there a gendered quality to this? Is this, um, is this? Are men more perceptible to do so? I think it's a really tricky one, especially because mm. the very nature of... Of, um, of, of the races that we're talking about here um, due to misogyny and sexism were heavily male dominated for a good quota of time. Sure. So, it's, yeah. it's, so it's difficult to get a sense of, you know, um, uh, of what exactly is the situation. All right, next one. I hopefully I haven't ruined it with my, my little rambles <laughs> halfway through. <laughs> no, no, you haven't, you haven't. And I guess, you know, um, we've so far we've spoken about um, forms of cheating and types of cheating, uh, cheating linked to um, to distance events and you know marathoning mm. and and beyond that as well. Into the 1980s, though, we're into into the Cold War era. We're into the era of um, of illicit substance use in various um, sports, and it takes us to the Seoul Games of 1988, and of course the so-called inverted commas dirtiest race in history um, with um, with Ben um, uh, Ben Johnson, the Canadian sprinter, um, taking the gold medal. Um, but very quickly mm. again, questions asked about um, about his performance, and this is a fascinating one because it does draw out. Not just, um, you know, this isn't just about Ben Johnson himself. This is something maybe about sprinting in the 1980s, um, mm. which, um, which doesn't come across well um, after, after, uh, after the Seoul Games. No. We are now very much into the era where cheating has become much more disciplined and uh, methodical. And, you know, the sort of, I think, as I mentioned, like the early years of just basically putting stuff into your body kind of willy-nilly and guessing what might happen and hopefully it will do well. This is all doctor-led probably and you know it's very prescribed cheating and we're you know we're into proper doping now and, and the legacy of that continues. So I think that's why this, the, the Ben Johnson one is such an, a significant part of athletics and also sort of sport in a wider sense. It's, it's a good point though about he you know he's a little bit like um not a scapegoat for cheating in that era, but you say like the, the dirtiest race history, and I'm not sure how many yeah. of the athletes in the start line were ultimately found to be cheating at some point in their career, but it was, it was the vast majority. Yet ben, ben Johnson is kind of thought about as this cheat on a whole different level. Yeah. And I think it's partly to do with the profile of the race in some ways. To, to win a gold and for it to be found to be wrong is quite shocking, isn't it? But in some ways I feel... Not sorry for him, but but I think that, that there's, there's a broader truth around sprinting, and he, and he tends to be 
yeah, he gets quite a hard time, I think, given some of the other sins that have gone on in and around him. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's fair. And yeah, I, th- I think I'm right in saying that of the, of the eight individuals that run that race, six will at some point in the course of their athletic right. career have question marks around their, their use of substances and such. So you're right. It's all too easy, I think, to just zone, zone in and zero in on the individual. But in doing so, you, mm-hmm. you, the risk is you like, lose sight of that kind of broader truth and that bigger, um, and that bigger picture. Um, and yeah, and this is an era where, as, as you say, you know, these this kind of these doping programs they get they are getting regulated and codified, um, but they're being organised. Yeah. Yeah, this is an organised pro, um, program of uh, of kind of activity, especially coming out of some um, sporting states, which is very different to what mm. we saw then in the in the first decade of the twentieth century, where people are messing around with amphetamines and caffeine and even alcohol in the pursuit of performance enhancing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're, we're into yeah. something different now in the nineteen eighties. Yeah. 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 Do you think that the, uh, maybe this is the turning point when I was talking about sort of doping and all means necessary and it was kind of seen as okay. Do you think that there was, this is the particular moment within running where, I mean, this is athletics, it's hard to say across the sort of the more endurance thing, but is there a tipping point where doping suddenly was on everyone's radar and cheating from that capacity was way more of a, a sort of like considered and sort of, uh, criminalised part of the sport? I think um, I think the 1980s into the 1990s are a bit of our tipping point here and I think partly there is that kind of interesting Cold War era context to this. Yeah, the 1980s is the era where, where lots of question marks are being asked about how some um, um, Soviet states and Soviet satellite states are using doping and performance enhancing drugs within mm. their within their athletic programs. And then when the Cold War comes to an end at the 1980s, you know some of this stuff then you know, starts now to get um, to get exposed and questions start to be asked. So I think we are. I think it's the final kind of decade of the 20th century where where there, there is that, as you say, sort of tipping point and people are starting to become more attentive and more interested and more kind of questioning of, um, uh, of what's been happening in, uh, in certain sports with, with athletics and sprinting being one example of that. Do you reckon that's, do you think that kind of, to be ultimately like as cynical as possible, do you think that that sort of, uh, the, the importance on it or perhaps the sort of criticism around it but ties in with the Cold War stuff and the propaganda around sort of, as you say, the Soviet states being shown to be sort of awful places and the sort of then like this was an easy way perhaps for the West to to to, to sort of go, oh, look at them all. Like, da, da, da. But at the same time, this is absolutely all happening in the West. Like it's uh, un- unequivocally going on at the same time, but it's kind of the, the rhetoric around it is all very much tied in with the sort of like, look at the Soviet state, look at the control and the way that they're cheating and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think there is that kind of us and them quality to it at times. And yet at the mm. same time, if, it, if it's not state, officially state-sponsored in quite the same way in the West, then it's nonetheless, it's nonetheless there, um, as we see in the 1988 yeah. um, um, Olympic final, the sprint final. This is the Runner's World podcast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. All right. So what's the uh, what's the next one on the list then, Sam? Um, let's go back to, um, to the distance stuff. Let's go back to, um, to distance running um, and let's go to the Comrades Marathon in South Africa in 1999. Um, and this is the one where, um, that we or hinted at earlier where two twins mm. are involved in, um, in the Comrades race um, and, uh, and this gets quickly and um, relatively quickly exposed. But it's, uh, it's Sergio and Fika Motsueneg, Motsueneg, I think is um, is the pronunciation there. But Sergio and that Fika, to me. yeah, um, Sergio and Fika Motsueneg, um, and uh, and and uh, these are both good runners. Yeah, these are both good runners. Sergio is 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 a good runner, um, but the Comrades Marathon of 1999, um, uh, Sergio enters it. He starts off, and then what seems to have happened is that at some point during the course of this race, he um, he uh, catches up with his twin brother. And, and they swap shirts, they, um, they swap numbers, you know, they, they, they run off into a portaloo, exchange vests, um, then, and then Fika runs a, um, a part of the, the race, then back into, a, you know, out of sight, back into a portaloo, um, swap the vest again, Sergio comes back, um, and uh, I think it's Sergio that ultimately crosses the line. Um, the thing here, though, is that it's um, photojournalism and photography which exposes mm. what's happened here because um, uh, a, a, uh, an intrepid journalist in South Africa looking at some photos of, um, of, uh, of, of, of what he thought was Sergio, actually what starts to emerge is that there are probably two different people here because they're wearing their watches on different um, wrists at different points in the race because right. one of them has um, a scar on his left shin um, and then at some points in the race, that scar seems to disappear and no longer, um, no longer <laughs> present. <laughs> so it's, it is one of, yeah, it's one of those fascinating ones again, because it draws out, you know, how are these people caught? Um, you know, it, mm. it's, with Rosie Ruiz, it's um, where she come from. I didn't see her for the first 26 miles of this race and suddenly she's there. For these two brothers, Sergio and Fika, it's, um, it's, it's, it's photography. It's, it's the fact that the camera witnesses these things definitely by, um, by the end of the 20th century. If there was a sort of award for most audacious form of cheating, it's this one, isn't it? It's got imagination. It's got drama. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and it almost works, right? It's almost genius. There's, there's a kind of, uh, yeah, it's inventive. It's, you, you like have to give it, it to them. Yeah. Also, again, it, kind of, it sort of just also really highlights that Obviously, that the, f- the photography was the thing that caught them. So, 
how is people prior to the photography you being part and parcel of races like how many people were doing that how many people were not even having a twin but like just swapping with someone who looked a bit like them and getting away with it do you know what I mean? it kind of like if they're the first people to be caught doing that then i reckon that that must have been a tried and tested method throughout the years you would have thought so wouldn't you in the age before um before microchips and for all that kind of stuff yeah before photo um, uh, photographs capture these moments yeah you it, it raises that question of just how much of this um is going on and of course even now mm. yeah i think there's a guy in um in the states who who dedicates a fair quota of his time to um to working his way through oh, yeah. marathon results to track down whether this stuff is still happening I feel yeah, like this. yeah that's right yeah he's like really dedicated to it right it's like a full-time job on this for him yeah yeah and you know that's that's so this this brings up a whole other thing because obviously technology plays a huge role you've got chip times and things like that which is the main sort of indicator of people's performances in races everyone now most major most major races or not even major races but most races in some form have a timing system and that means that you've got a wealth of if you're tracking as this i can't remember the guy's name as if you're tracking an individual's performance you're going to likely be able to see numerous races and numerous performances and then you can sort of like create a, a profile of how they're meant how they race and see any anomalies and do it that way but the bigger issue with this i think is that you've got in amateur racing people being called out for cheating but in an era where the result of being called out for cheating has Ultimately, I mean, it, it has resulted in people taking their own lives because of the backlash they've faced from being called out as cheats. Mm. And we're talking about people who finish 50th in a race rather than 300th. It's not like they're winning. It's kind of that. That's the level of cheating. But there's there's now this sort of like, like a overarching witch hunt, kind of. witch hunt element of running and, and all that sort of stuff with the cheating. So I think that's, you know, that's. That's, it's, yeah, it's really so, it's really hard, Ben, isn't it? Because it, it's something that obviously rightly rankles people. Like they, you know, huge fans are running. We all want fair play to be there. But you're right. There's some like psychology people who cheat. You might be quite vulnerable people to want to do that, particularly at an amateur level. Like yeah. it's a different podcast, isn't it? But why do people cheat when there's no, particularly when there's no money involved? What's that about? Yeah, it's probably the behaviour of someone who's struggling and anyway. So then on top of that, to get to get the kind of like pile on online mm. yeah i think we do need to have a little bit more sympathy and compassion towards um some people who cheat because i think it often it isn't you know it's, it's coming from it's a not, place of like it's not black and white it's a help almost yeah it's, there's yeah. a huge gray area of why people do it yeah i'd agree it's like it's a it's a complicated um area and, and sometimes when you when i look at all of these instances and all these cases and look at sort of we're talking about a century of history here and what comes through for me is that often the the moments of cheating the episodes of cheating are kind of really revealing in that they suggest that at that particular point in time running has a real power and a real prestige and a real prominence mm. and it's all of that mm. that is a part of, um, of of the story of cheating be it the marathon mania of the early 20th century um, which is clearly a part of Fred Laws's world through to the 1980s and Rosie Ruiz, where where marathoning is again uh, a really big deal. It's really you know, big city marathons are really mm. taking off in the 1980s. So, it's, yeah. so one way to look at it is to say it's about the individual. Another way is to say, but what is what do the moments tell us about about um, interest in running at particular points in history? Yeah, no, totally. Um, what's the uh, where are we on the list then? So we're, we're into the we're into the 90s, aren't we? Let's let's head into the 21st century then. Back to sprinting now. Um, with um, with Marion Jones, um, a celebrated um, athlete of, um, of the 2000 Games, mm -hmm. I think winner of um, of uh, I think it was five um, medals, 
But again, this is an instance where um, the questions around perform the use of performance enhancing drugs, um, doping tests, etc. And uh, and this is another athlete, not unlike Ben Johnson, 1988, whose career will be upturned um, on the on the basis of then of being accused of cheating and 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 and, and being accused of using um, substances. So it was a huge shock, wasn't it? It was a huge fall from grace. I think that's often um, a little bit like you were saying, Ben, when. Um, a celebrated athlete from the West this happens to and, and you could absolutely say the same thing of like Lance Armstrong's probably the ultimate example of this isn't it of like someone who is lauded who turns out to be cheating it, it sends shockwaves through through the sport and I think I think Marion Jones definitely falls into that it was like oh my god this is this hugely celebrated golden goal of, of, of running is actually you know cheating I think that's quite I yeah. think it's when I think the personality from the of the athlete is always like if they're the as you say the golden character like Lance Armstrong was always kind of he was a kind of like there was a there's a there's an evil guy like you know what I mean like the character to him was never quite as like but Marion Jones was you know she was friendly and you know had all these these characteristics you know that when it's 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 when it's someone's incredibly pleasant and a super champion you know what I mean like it's it makes it even harder so yeah I mean I I definitely this one and it was her husband was it her husband who was a shot putter or javelin and he was equally was involved in the sort of the doping and, and the whole process. That's right. I think right. some of the questions um, start to get asked because I think of that of that connection. It's, um, it's CJ Hunter, um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and that link starts to um, provoke some of those questions. I think even before actually the 2000 games, even so in the, in the 1990s, um, but the 2000 games is there is that big moment with those those five gold medals, including of course um, uh, in, uh, in things like the relay. So this has implications for then other athletes. Um, uh, and, yeah. and, and, and their own medals um, and their own medal tally from, um, from that game and, and it's something I think that Jones kind of protests for um, and, and resists for quite some time but then I think it's in 2007 says no, no, yeah this, um, this did happen and I, and I was wrong When you were choosing kind of um, like sprinters for this Sam I guess it's, there, there is a list there's, a, there's a, a longish list that you could pick from in terms of criteria was, was it the sort of level of fall from grace was it the seriousness of the crimes what what were you kind of looking for when you sort of had to whittle it down in sprinters i think it was it was it was that it was those kind of issues i was thinking of it in terms of um who was the individual what did it mean for them in terms of their career um what did it mean though more broadly and kind of when we're thinking about culture and society at a particular moment in time you know, what was the punch what was the impact of, of the revelations around that particular individual. I think the Ben Johnson case mm. is, is, uh, is really useful then because it is so indicative of, of, of the 1980s and a bit of, the, of, uh, of, of sprint culture in the 1980s. And then the Marion Jones case is, um, is interesting because it suggests the legacy of that culture, but it also then tips mm. us over into the 21st century, you know, those 2000 games taking us into, into a new century and yet still it, um, it exposes these question marks over over parts of um, of, uh, of the culture of professional sport. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So where are we at? So we've got one more, and the final one then does take us into um, into some of that complicated territory that we've been talking about so far. Yeah, we've talked about um, um, cheating in um, in professional sports, in sprinting culture in the nineteen eighties and early noughties. This final example though takes us to into something far more local and something far more low key. And it's um, it's the Kielder Marathon of 2011 with um, with an athlete by the name of um, of Rob Sloan, and this is the more difficult um, case then because this isn't um, this isn't a, a well-paid professional athlete or anything like this. This is an individual who I think um, you know looking at it makes a mistake, makes a mistake, 
um, and um, yeah, I think runs about 20 miles of, um, of the Kielder Marathon, takes a stop, decides can't go one, gets on the, um, on the bus that's being used to, um, to ferry spectators around, but then you know, gets a second win, decides he does want to finish, finishes the race, um, but as we've seen in, in some of the other um, examples, Fred Laws in 1904, Rosie Ruiz in 1980, question marks quite quickly emerge over did he, uh, did he do the whole distance, did he, um, did he finish the race in its totality, and what emerges is he accepts that he did not. Um, Steve Cram, who's the race director, um, has a chat with him, accepts his apology. I think Steve Cram's line is that this is, this is a mistake um, and, a regret and a regrettable one, and tries to draw a line on it there. But it's, yeah, it's an interesting case. Mm. Mm, definitely, yeah, definitely. It's great to have one on the list. I think that isn't about um, Olympic medals or you know large amounts of money because it's the sort of the psychology of cheating in, in amateur sport is is really interesting. And this, like you say, this could this could literally be a bit of a mistake, couldn't it? Where you think you can't get on, get on the bus, then okay, you should probably announce it before you finish. But it's you can you can kind of see how that how that those events can happen without having to be a sort of complete scoundrel for that to take place. Yeah. And what comes to for me in all, in all the cases again is, so on one level you start this, you think I'm I'm going to see am I looking for scoundrels here? Are there scoundrels? Um, and maybe there are. And in some instances, yeah, sure. But often what comes through to me uh, are just sort of human beings um, that sometimes make bad decisions or or, mm. or or do things that are maybe a little bit questionable. And 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 it sort of just sort of exposes and reveals um, underlying humanity. And uh, you know, it's all too easy to. To, to cast the aspersion to throw the stone, but maybe maybe it's more complicated often than than, um, than might first um, seem the case. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I just it's remembered a great about list. Um, it's a great list. Great yeah. list. Really enjoyed that. I just and it made me think of um, Robert Young as well. Rob Young, yeah, and yeah, going across America. That one as well, which really that was one of those ones that seemed to capture that was captured everyone mm. and the sort of like because again it's. It's, what so like what was he getting from that? Do you know what I mean? There was no was there was there reward or wealth or you know there was probably some sponsorship money in there or something. You know he was probably something that came off reasonably well, but kind of just wondering. You know when you see the the career cheats and they've you know absolutely got you know Marion Jones would have been on a huge contract with Nike probably. You know there's you know huge amounts of money at play there. And Armstrong as well, we talked about him and he was making millions and millions and millions and millions, you know, so kind of you can see it, but to get a record, you know, a, a fastest known time or, a, you know, something or a Guinness World Record for doing something, it's, it's different, isn't it? It makes you think about what, what goes through. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's like sometimes the reward is, as you say, um, it's going to be hard cash, it's going to be endorsements, it's going to be sponsorships, it's going to be money, it's all that sort of stuff. But then sometimes... In other eras and other contexts with other people, maybe it's it's um, it's celebrity, it's bragging rights, mm. it's um, to be known, yeah. and especially if the thing that you're doing has a particular power and prestige at that moment. So, if it's the ni early 1900s, then to be a marathon runner is a big deal. Yeah, in the 1980s it is as well, and so maybe it's 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 part of that as well. It's what does it mean if I say that I've done this at this particular point in time? What do I what do I get from that um, for myself? Yeah. I think that's a part of it. Yeah, definitely. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast and uh, putting together such an interesting list of uh, of running cheats. It was a really interesting subject. I'm sure our listeners have got a few. I'm sure we, we probably missed a few in their eyes. So let us know. Uh, oh. Podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. 
I think the general audience will say we've missed a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> but as we say in the beginning, uh, we cannot we cannot talk about unconfirmed cases because otherwise no. we'll get in trouble. No, absolutely. I no. thought we we don't want the unconfirmed. And I thought as well it'd be nice to have a mix of the kind of the distance runners, the sprinters, and um, from yeah, a, a reasonably long um, kind of you know hundred years or so, just to get a sense of yeah. uh, of, of who's done what at what points in time. No, it was absolutely that. So yeah, thanks again, Sam, for, for your time. Love to have you back on. Talk about another um, some you know area of running history again. So we'd love to have you back on at some point if that's all right. I would love to come back. It's been a pleasure. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. Thanks very much to our guest Sam Edwards and to you, of course, for listening. You can subscribe to Runners World magazine for a whole year, Rick, and it just costs you forty-one pounds ninety-nine. So look, it's Christmas is around. Christmas is around the corner. You've got someone in your life who you love. They love running. Here's a deal. Get them a subscription to Runners World for Christmas and just watch their happy little faces on Christmas Day when you give them that little note that says, congratulations, here's a magazine that you'll really love. I mean, who who could want more? Um, so do that. That's on the internet. Hearstmagazines.co.uk slash Runners World Podcast. Scroll down. You'll find the deals. Um, thank you for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. That's the best thing you can possibly do. And uh, you'll hear from us again next week. Keep it clean. Yeah. Keep yeah. It clean. No, no cheating out there, guys. In the meantime. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue checkmark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.